Well, welcome to this um, Shoesmith podcast on um, the consumer duty and life after the 31st of July 2023. Uh, my name is um, Darren Allen, and I'm today joined by uh, my colleagues Suzanne Taylor and Wayne Gibbard. So um, as we record this podcast, we're in towards the end of August 2023, and firms will hopefully have, have implemented the consumer duty. Now, in practice, um, uh, we've all been working with firms, and we know that many will be at different stages in terms of implementation. Some will be very happy they've covered all the bases. Some may still be working on elements of, in, of uh, implementation, and some may be, uh, have fallen short and may be concerned. I was at an event earlier this year at when someone um, mentioned uh, getting to the 31st of July and beyond and, and then returning to BAU. Um, is that how you see a way? Um, interesting. I, I'm, I'm not sure there's a return to BAU. Um, we, we have a new normal. Um, so I think, if you like, this is the end of the beginning of, of the journey that many firms are, are going on. I think what we've observed through the implementation process and certainly the discussions that we're having now are some really great conversations and challenges within businesses themselves to really try and remap what they do and really analyze customer journeys and their whole purpose. So I think as those conversations mature and feed into businesses and their processes, we're going to see this new normal. And again, I think as that cascades through different sectors and different markets, we'll have this whole new landscape that the consumer duties intended to bring forward. So as I say, I think it's probably the end of the beginning for us as we go forward. It's quite interesting. Are we, I've had, had had some people approach me saying, can you come and look at what we put in place and tell us that we comply with the mm -hmm. consumer duties if it's a, as if it's a moment in time and, and that's it, you can then move on. Um, and I think you know, we've all seen um, that firms are facing a huge number of challenges and will continue to do so um, in terms of you know, looking at governance, MI, building the right culture. Um, Sue, so what do you see as the big challenges for firms going forward? I think what Wayne said there is really interesting, isn't it? We've seen in all our clients and all our contacts in the industry, the big launch, you know, what that day zero looked like in terms of posters in the office and cupcakes and coasters and all these sorts of things. And Actually, for me, this new normal is how do we build consumer duty into what we do every day of the week? And, you know, we've talked as lawyers about governance a lot over the last few months, but actually how does governance live out day to day in our businesses? Um, you know, one particular passion of mine is product design. It's, it's a part of the world I really enjoy. But actually when a person in the business conceives an idea, how do we get them to build consumer duty governance into that thought process? So not just we're launching this product because X over there, our competitor has launched it. But actually, here's the target market. Here's the harm or the problem we're looking to solve. And so often in our world, we see the product design comes to the lawyers, you know, when it's due to launch on Monday, or it comes to the compliance team when it's due to launch. And, um, you know, thinking about how, who are those consumer duty champions in the business who would then say, actually, no, we build the governance and we build the consumer duty thought processes in on day one when we're starting to think about what this product is that for me it's this culture of compliance isn't it we've spoken about it so often but that is the big challenge for businesses moving this off the paper off the policy into this new normal um the other part that seems to have crossed our desk so often is supply chain 
people have looked at their area. They understand what they do. They understand how they influence the customers. But actually, take a step back and look at the whole journey. How are other people that you interact with, your partners, your distributors, actually impacting what their customer outcome is? Um, I think we've seen a lot of people put that off. It involves interaction. It's easier to focus on what's your immediate desk. So it'll be for firms to really engage with that now, really understand what they need to do and make sure they're not just looking at one part of the journey in isolation, because that is never going to lead to a customer journey, um, a good customer outcome. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I think, if you like, that that functional approach to how products were delivered or customer experiences were were delivered has got to change. So if you want to put it in a more negative way, the silo approach to creating a product handed between marketing from conception through to compliance for implementation, I think there's now a much more joined up requirement. So everybody having the same focus on outcomes and the requirements for consumer duty. And I think through implementation process and certainly what we expect firms to do now is have a much closer understanding of a complete customer journey. So end-to-end, what happens at inception of a product through to uh, its management and delivery to a customer. And I think kind of having measures on all of that throughout and providing assurance and monitoring, say from product creation through to delivery to a customer, has got to be fundamental to the success for any firm around consumer GT. I agree. You mentioned two points there. One, um, or two points that I picked up on anyway, a joined up requirement and silos. And I see that as a real challenge actually for um, firms. Um, yeah, how, does, um, how do you pick up the themes in relation to regulated mortgages um, and the themes that relate to savings? Is the, is the first line of defense actively engaged in looking at all of the, those areas um, as opposed to adopting a silo approach? And who's going to be responsible for then um, cascading that up to the board? That, for me, is one of the biggest challenges that, that um, firms have in this, in this area. Yeah. And, and we, we've seen that through implementation in particular. Um, different firms at different stages working with product teams who, who own and have a passion about their particular products within the overall organization. And then when that's brought forward, how do all those products interact? And is that the same experience from a loan product through to savings products through whatever it might be so i think i think that's really interesting that's going to be some of the maturing i think within organizations of consumer duty going forward well so one of the issues that i think is really interesting is that those firms um who may not have implemented the consumer duty um as well as they would like um what obligation now arises on them to make a principle 11 disclosure to the fca and I've I've reminded myself of the FCA policy statement back in July 2022. And that said, firms must alert to ask the FCA if they believe that they will not be able to complete all work necessary to be compliant with the duty before the implementation deadlines. We expect firms to be compliant, but firms should also take a risk-based approach and prioritise the implementation work that is likely to have the biggest impact on consumer outcomes. And then it says at the end of the implementation period, boards or equivalent management bodies should assure themselves that the firm is complying with their obligations under the duty and ensure the firm has identified any potential gaps or weaknesses in their compliance and any action needed to to remedy this. So 
it's pretty really interesting because I I think a lot of firms are struggling um, to decide whether they should make any um, a disclosure. I think for those firms that have looked at that have adopted a risk based approach and, and prioritised those areas that have the greatest caused the greatest harm in terms of um, outcomes, I think are going to be in a better position. And my view is um, that if a firm has, for example, not considered a major area, so it hasn't done a value assessment of a product, that's clearly a breach. And that would then, in my view, give rise to an obligation to make a principal level disclosure. But these are these may be, um, in many instances, very fine judgment calls. Um, so what's your take on that? Yeah, I think you're right, Darren. I think I'd be looking back to the implementation plan that was set out in October and will have evolved no doubt, what did we say to the FCA that we were going to have done? And actually, where are we now? And what's the difference between those positions? And if the difference between those positions, as you say, creates a real risk of um, harm to consumers, then absolutely, you would want to be on the front foot and telling the FCA before they find out themselves. I think principle 11 notifications, as we all know, are inevitably a really thorny issue. Um, We've already talked about culture, or certainly I've already talked about culture, and this for me is the absolute epitome of what is the regulatory culture within a business. Is it a culture where we investigate, we understand and we think about whether we notify the FCA or is it a culture where that isn't necessarily on our radar? And that's going to be really key here. Um, I think the other really interesting piece that the FCA has been quite clear on throughout consumer duty is this concept of actually we will hold the senior managers accountable. So really interesting to see if that influences the senior managers as the decision makers of whether to make a principle 11 notification. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see where we end up because I, I'm not sure there is enough clarity for businesses out there, as you've identified, to know exactly when the point comes in time that they do need to notify. Yeah, I think for me, the consumer duty is, is going to be, by its very nature, an, an iterative process. You might get certain MI, for example, that doesn't quite show you what you want to see, so you, so you change it. So I don't see consumer duty as being static. I see it changing and evolving as 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 experience um, uh, increases. Um, so from that perspective, I, I don't think the fact that you're changing your approach gives rise to a principal level obligation. I think it needs to be a bit more than that. Wayne, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think throughout implementation, and to be fair to the FCA, they, they've done a good job of trying to explain some of their thinking, um, put some detail uh, around some of the rules. Uh, so the various podcasts and different communications, I think have been really helpful. I think throughout that, if we, if we now trace back and say, how's implementation gone? Um, there are breadcrumbs throughout there and clues that the FCA have given us around areas of focus. So they've been very clear to say, you should prioritize areas of potential consumer harm. So for any firm that's identified a gap in their implementation that impacts a customer or may lead to harm, I think we're probably moving towards that threshold of, of, of a principle 11 notification. Similarly, uh, you know, end of June, uh, about a month before implementation, the FCA gave us 10 questions to, to ask ourselves about how implementation are going, and that was lifted from the non-handbook guidance. So I think it's worthy of revisiting non-handbook guidance challenging yourself on those questions and really making a valued assessment to say, have we really done what the FCA have asked us here? Interesting. I, one of the, um, one of the well, actually, I think probably the overarching theme um, that comes out whenever you start talking about the consumer duty is, is the culture piece. 
and fostering, creating a, a compliant culture. And, and I've been thinking about this. And I think one of the interesting challenges for firms is how they distinguish, if at all actually, between the consumer duty for retail products and treating customers fairly for non-retail customer, customers. So, so, a, so a firm fosters the right culture required under the consumer duty. But what happens in relation to those non-retail products? In practical terms, what's the difference going to be? And and, I, and then I'll, I'll ask you for, to, um, for your observations on this. If there is no practical difference, are we moving inexorably to, to one approach across all products? Sue, so, something we have any view on that? I think it's really difficult, and I think you know I operate in a world of consumer credit where the definition of a consumer includes business people, so that line is inevitably blurred for us anyway. Um. I think this question, I quite often take a step back, Darren, and yes, we have the legal answer, but actually operationally what's happening in practice, how many of our clients will actually know what hat a customer is wearing when they contact them, whether they're in a retail space or whether they're operating as a business customer. And I think that's what makes it inevitably challenging for our clients. And therefore the position always has to be, in my view, you gold plate it. Um, actually in terms of how you deal with that customer on a day-to-day -day basis, unless you are sophisticated enough to have team A that deals with this and team B that deals with that, I think it, it has to be that. Actually, then the thornier question of legally, in practice, how you report on these things and how you, for example, if there was to be a breach in an area, do you make a principal level notification? Is it caught by the duty or not? Um, becomes infinitely trickier. And I just wonder if this is an area where we are going to see more for the FCA on because it, it certainly feels like an area which our, our clients would like some more on. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I think through the whole implementation process, we, we've seen this issue of um, the perimeter of, of regulation generally, um, and particularly between product sets. So for the same customer, you may be caught as a retail customer under duty and same customer not for a different product. So I think it does become very difficult uh, for firms to navigate that through one conversation with a customer. I think coming back to what we've discussed already around culture, how do you wear a different hat yeah. trying to uh, apply different principles to perhaps the same customer with different products? And I think the other the other issue that comes out of this is also from the regulator perspective, um, what's their view going to be of a principle six TCF approach versus principle 12 consumer duty? W will they be making a distinction between those two things? Clearly, there must be because we have a new <laughs> principle. Um, but it remains to be seen, I think, how they'll approach enforcement of, of existing principles or whether they'll navigate and merge them more closely. You mentioned um, uh, FCA action there and what, you know, what we're going to, we perhaps what we're going to see in the future. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to discuss really how soon we see FCA enforcement action. Um, it's interesting to note that already we're seeing the media pick up on consumer duty. It's mentioned uh, quite frequently now um, in the news media. I heard it, for example, uh, mentioned in the, in the context of interest rates um, on mortgages and savings accounts and why the interest rates aren't quickly passed on to savers. Um, there's also some commentary around consumer duty when in relation to the closing of customer accounts, and that was picked up on the um, the closure of Nigel Farage's Coots account. Um, 
So I think there's, there's already you're seeing a number of themes emerge, which are undoubtedly going to be looked at by the FCA. Um, but how soon do you think it will be before um, the FCA start taking enforcement action, Sue's? Yeah, interesting question, Darren. I mean, the thing that jumped out at me of, of all the publications that have been released in the last few months was the results of their survey. So their survey of firms of how ready they were to comply with the duty. And I think there were two um, sectors of firms that perhaps performed a lot more poorly than others. Um, that was retail finance and it was debt advice. So certainly if I was in those two sectors, I think I would be preparing for something to land on my uh, doorstep or my email doorstep from the FCA um, to inquire where we're up to um, and, you know, to understand exactly where we are with our implementation plans. It's, you know, we've seen this throughout the last nine months, haven't we? Emails from the FCA of, can you just explain to us where you're up to? Can you just send us your consumer duty plan? Um, So certainly if I was in those spaces, I think I would be really focusing on exactly what you said earlier, Darren, that concept of continuous improvement. Where were we at the end of July? What did we still have to do? Have we actually done it or did we forget about it at the end of July and we all went off on holiday? Um, and if the FCA came, you know, if the FCA sent an email in September asking us where we're up to, can we actually evidence that we have continued to improve, that we have implemented everything we said we would? Um, that's really going to be the key point, isn't it, around staving off any enforcement action. I think it certainly will come. The question is, you know, which sector do they target first? Um, like you say, perhaps expectedly, they've gone for the banks because its biggest impact affects the biggest proportion of society. Um, it gets a, a you know a headline to influence the rest of the industry to do something. Um, it will be interesting to see where we end up. Yeah, I mentioned the abortion advice, but of course, um, what what we might see before that is Section One Six Six Kill Persons reports. We might see VREX. There's all sorts of other tools that the FCA might might wish to um, employ. Certainly, if firms are um, indicating they've not implemented the consumer duty properly, then you'd expect the FCA to uh, to use their um, their, their, their section one six six powers. And and even whether we end up with a thematic review, you know, it's identified those two sectors: retail finance and debt advice. Are we going to see a thematic review of actually how they have implemented um, consumer duty, which, as we know, then leads to supervision action and leads to section one six sixes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we we've been told and we can see that the FCA are moving towards a more data-driven oversight model. Um, so we've seen examples of that uh, in sectors like insurance in particular. Um, I think over the, the course of the next few months, I, I can imagine there being assimilation of different existing data points and perhaps collation of new ones that will inform areas where the FCA wish to focus with uh, more resource. And with that in mind, we're also informed that the the FCA have been recruiting um, and we can see that they are uh, building their resources to bring enforcement action in this area. So I think it is something we can expect um, timing to be confirmed. Okay. So um, so I started this podcast by saying um, uh, that, that um, somebody had indicated to me that, that after the 31st of July that where they will be returning to BAU. I think we've established that's not going to be the case. <laughs> So, um, final question: If you um, if you had uh, one piece of advice to give to firms after the thirty first of July, what would it be? Um, are you able to evidence what you say you are doing in practice? How often do we see that firms can talk a really good game about all the great measures they've got in place, but actually it doesn't show through? Um, I think outcomes testing has been the phrase of consumer duty, hasn't it? But you know, have you genuinely got that outcomes of testing in place, which measures? 
from the start of the customer journey through to the end to understand exactly how a customer has been treated in your portfolio. Um, testing, testing, testing. You know, it, all your systems and processes can be as good as they can be, but actually if you can't demonstrate CFCA, but you are satisfied you're driving a good customer outcome, then it's not worth the paper it's written on. Yeah, and and I would absolutely echo that. Um, I think that's exactly where um, many uh, of the sectors are currently. I think also building into that, if you like, leading on from that information, what do you do with it? So the mechanisms, the culture, the, go- the governance that you have to then take that information and provide improvement to customers is, is ultimately where the success or failure of this will be. Yeah, I agree with all that, especially the testing, testing, testing bit. I would add probably um, uh, ensure you have a, a very clear understanding of responsibilities so that people know what they should be doing. And it is an iterative process. The um, yeah, things are going to change uh, as time goes on to make sure everything is is in writing. Make sure there's a, a clear audit trail so that if the regulator asks for evidence, you can demonstrate that the, the, the steps that you've taken. Well, thank you uh, very much for your time this afternoon. That's um, I, f- I found that really interesting. Um, I hope those listening found it interesting. Um, if um, if you have any questions, then um, please um, contact me on darren.allen at shoesmith.com. Um, and thank you for listening.